1: Junior, catch
2: he did. hello everyone welcome back to road of overtime and road of radio brought to you by blue wire my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and i'm joined as always by my co-host here it is sean siegel he's also the co-host of the stadium bananas podcast along with ben gretch and of course uh, he has some great work up on rotaviz.com. we will be talking about some of that work on today's show we do sprinkle them in throughout the shows we we'll get sean's thoughts on some of the takeaways from week three, but we're also looking ahead and how to implement that for the rest of the season. It's hard to believe, Sean, there is three weeks in the books already. And this year, with the extra week, it feels like we're going to get more football than ever, which we are. But, it, you know, I say we'll blink and we're going to be in week 13 at, at this rate.
3: We will. I was actually just thinking that yesterday that we're through three weeks and the playoffs will be on us in a hurry. So, one of the themes of our first show of the week was the fantasy season isn't three weeks long it is 17 weeks long this year and it'll be crazy how fast these next 14 weeks fly by but i have to say i am very excited there have been a lot of great developments a lot you know plenty of disappointing developments it's sort of strange how the top of the draft board continues to struggle even though it should be the best I, One of the the best examples I have of the way that the running back early can hurt you is a dynasty team that I have with Curtis Patrick, where we actually have both Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook, who were the number one and number two players picked for most of this offseason. And obviously that team is now one and two and got hammered again this weekend with both CMZ getting hurt during the game and Cook simply being out. Both of those guys have looked absolutely extraordinary when they've been on the field, but staying on the field can be tough. At the same time, Colin, we know that it's not just running backs who get hurt. And I I think this would be a good point to emphasize to start the show because I I think that people can look at this a little bit the wrong way and when it doesn't work in their favor, get pretty frustrated. And that's completely human, right? I mean, I get frustrated when it doesn't work out the way that I am hoping. But a number of players that we were pretty high on, it's also kind of funny because I was joking about the team that I have with Blair, where we had the 101, we get Christian McCaffrey, we're off to an easy 2-0 start and first place in the league. And then people just continue to go down, though, right? So we have Jerry Judy, we have T. Higgins. McCaffrey gets hurt during the game, uh, still in position to win, but then Lamb doesn't score many points on Monday Night Football. And you're looking at that, and you're like, well, you know, three of the first five picks are already out on that team, and several of them are wide receivers, right? So we can't just blame it on running back injuries. Wide receivers get hurt, too. And the reason that we have so many wide receivers is that there's a different dynamic in terms of the injuries of these players, right? So with running backs, we know that running back injury rate is higher, especially for the guys with the most touches. And that kind of makes sense. Going through it, there's actually a little bit better chance to get hurt on a wide receiver touch than a running back touch. But running backs need more touches and get more touches in order to score their points, right? And so you have a slightly higher injury rate. Uh, That doesn't mean that wide receivers don't get hurt or that on your particular team, it won't be the wide receivers who end up getting hurt. But because wide receivers score more points and because running back injuries uniquely create other opportunities, that's the way that we want to have the roster set up. And we saw that, again, kind of this past week where Peyton Barber has a big week, you know, more or less out of nowhere. And, you know, Chuba Hubbard comes in, doesn't have a massive fantasy performance right away. And certainly not that many people would have been playing him. But now he looks like a, a big-time potential scorer during these next couple of weeks. And so we keep seeing all of these different opportunities to play running backs, to pick up running backs, to keep moving through here. You know, the other thing that, that can be frustrating is, is it's not just, even though the injury rate is higher for these heavy-touch running backs, it doesn't mean your zero RB guys won't get hurt. You know, James White was in a ton of my lineups this weekend, and that was, you know, just sort of especially heartbreaking from a fantasy perspective because they threw 51 times. And so uh, White would have been very, very active in this game. With the way the game played out, it's kind of hard for me to imagine that he wouldn't have scored about 25 points. And so, you know, you look at that and the difference there. And so injuries are going to play a role and you have to continue to battle through. And you have to hope that you also get a little bit of good luck from time to time, you know, take that luck and, and be thankful for it. I was pretty frustrated about Monday night football and how the Cowboys didn't throw to the receivers, didn't throw to lamb. And then, you know, looking at the the final scores again, realized that one of the teams that Ben and I drafted, and it was actually the one uh, with Najee Harris, it was the hot takes live draft. So if you want to go back and kind of listen to that one, it's sort of a fun one. We made the bold prediction that Harris would uh, finish fourth at the running back position in running back receptions he now looks like he is a strong favorite to possibly finish first especially if Christian McCaffrey misses any more time that team actually escaped because um, Ari Cooper didn't score any points against us so I kind of already chalked that up as a loss instead Cooper doesn't score it stays undefeated so you kind of have to really in your mind focus on the positive elements that are going on here but Colin through three weeks a lot of injuries running backs get hurt wide receivers get hurt this is one of the reasons we want to have a lot of wide receivers they score a lot of points they're going to help you dominate your league but it it doesn't mean that normal human frailty doesn't apply to them they can get hurt that's one of the reasons why you need so many of them
2: yeah absolutely and homie you know you touched on a few very very good points there but the reason that like our teams that have let's say jerry judy like we have teams with jerry judy t higgins and kj hamler we still then have other guys on those rosters you know maybe ron delmore maybe uh rugs you know to, to balance them out people are wondering why do you draft so many and there's too many there you can only start this number the main reason that we have them is we talk about it from the preseason, i mentioned it on the last show the bye weeks and the injuries are going to happen there's no way to avoid the bye weeks and having that depth is going to help you throughout the season so uh let's hope that that depth continues to work in our favor as we move forward here you also mentioned sometimes monday night football there can be some very uh difficult mental permutations that we try and put ourselves through Uh, you know you might have a team that is like this week for example dak prescott (laughs) going up against a, a team maybe with a, a tony pollard but then you might have a team with tony pollard that you need to get a certain amount of points from to get that one so sometimes uh you're better not really to, to look into it too much until tuesday or wednesday like you mentioned where you can kind of look at it in the, the cold light of day and see what has has played out but uh speaking of uh we're not going to talk quarterback sean on this edition where we talk about the atlanta falcons i don't even know who their quarterback is anymore um we've talked about him enough this off season but uh Corderell Patterson, um, you know, there's a lot of questions around this team in terms of Kyle Pitts on the overall usage or the air yards, for example, that Calvin Ridley's getting. But has Corderell Patterson worked himself into a little bit of a, a possible zero RB hero for this season?
3: He definitely is. And it was too bad in some ways that he wasn't available last week, even for uh, someone to go in and put some, some high bids in there. This Falcons team has been extremely disappointing. Now, we have Patterson, we have Davis. If you drafted those guys, you have to be encouraged. You know, Davis doesn't have great numbers in terms of fantasy points over expectation, but you look what he's doing out there on the field. I don't think that you can be that upset with him. He's been upstaged by Patterson, who has had this great receiving role, has broken some tackles kind of looking at the advanced stats. And again, if if you haven't checked it out, make sure you get into the site, check out the advanced stat explorer. It's got all kinds of cool numbers in there. Patterson and Kareem Hunt, the two most dynamic running backs last week in terms of yards after the catch, uh, yards after contact, obviously after the catch there. And so uh, some of the plays that Patterson is making in the receiving game have been just very dynamic for his team and have helped the Falcons do the little that they have done. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking after that Monday night football game where the Eagles got absolutely humiliated is, uh, you know, it kind of goes, makes you go back in your mind I think back to week one where they so completely hammered the Falcons. And I think, you know, just how bad is this Falcons team? Now, the Falcons were able to get through the Giants, who also are not particularly good. But I mean, this is a, a 2 and 14, 3 and 13 kind of squad and I don't think that people really felt like the Falcons were that bad this hasn't been a great start for Arthur Smith right I mean he's in the process of destroying this offense you mentioned Calvin Ridley he led the NFL in air yards and by a wide margin in 2020 so we're not talking about just a little bit you know some of those passes were kind of off des- off target desperation heaves I and mean, he threw some balls out there to Ridley they counted as targets that really nothing was going to come of those but even with that Ridley gains more than 300 yards to the deep left, more than 300 yards to the deep right. He's this vertical, dynamic, wide receiver. And that's so huge in terms of how NFL offenses work, in terms of keeping the defense honest, for one thing, and and allowing some space for your other guys to work, but also in terms of just getting those big plays at the time. I mean, the Falcons aren't scoring in part because you've got to execute a ton of plays effectively to Patterson and Davis in order to make this long drive work. And we saw over and over this weekend, the teams that were forced to do these really long drives, things can happen along the way, even if you're somewhat efficient with them. We discussed the Chiefs and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, his 100 yards rushing, and how uh, that really doesn't work in the Chiefs' favor, right? So you look at the Falcons' offense, far less talented than the Chiefs, and in a lot of ways, they need to be even much more aggressive to balance out the lack of talent. And they have some guys there. So... You know, we look at Calvin Ridley, his depth of target dropped from 14.3 to 8.8. I mean, that's (laughs) taking you from being a vertical receiver to basically Robert Woods, right? I mean, that's not a little bit of a change. And so, you know, his target share is about the same, but you lose a ton of actual volume when you think about what each target then represents. And even though the the target depth has dropped down, you know, the, the catch rate is not improving in part because the overall structure of what they're doing is so bad. You know, it's not like he's being targeted underneath and there's no competition for these targets. I mean, the defenders are all over him because they're not being stretched. They're not being challenged. And so we look at that. And then with the pits situation, things get even worse there, right? We have him only having three targets on Sunday. He finished with two catches for 35 yards. His first catch comes on their fourth quarter touchdown drive. And he has a big play on their game-winning drive, a 25-yard reception. Those two plays are what allowed them to come back and actually win this game where they were dominated I and mean, they should have lost. And it's like, look at these plays. Use these guys. Now, you know, sometimes when we're really arguing in favor of a player it's because we believe in them strongly. We have them on a lot of rosters. We want to see them do better for fancy purposes. I don't have any pits. And it wasn't because I was off of him per se, but just because he was so expensive. And, and that made it impossible for me to have him on my team. So, I mean, it's good for me if he doesn't do well, but it's ridiculous from a reality perspective that the Falcons are playing it this way, right? Cordell Patterson and Mike Davis have combined for 57 rush attempts and 33 targets. Get your good players involved.
2: Yeah, it, it is. To be honest, like, obviously I mentioned Cordell Patterson uh, at the start of that question, and I actually have on, on a number of rosters for – reasons unbeknownst to myself uh, at certain points, but um, you know, had an amazing kind of anticipation to the start of what he was able to do in his career. Hasn't really worked out. He's played for multiple offenses, has these kind of splash plays from time to time. But um, obviously, if he's if he's getting the chunk of those 33 targets for him in terms of those zero RB rosters, but the way this offense is running this year is, I would guess the word I might choose is scandalous. You mentioned there basically the, the stat line for... Hits the two for thirty-five. The two of those catches coming in in the third quarter. Like I don't, I don't know what's what's happening there. So, you know, I would have said in week one. Hopefully, this improves at week three. I'm starting to say that this is not going to improve. And you used the phrase, I believe, there a moment ago, was destroying this offense. And it feels like that's well and truly what has happened. They've gone from Kyle Shanahan and the Super Bowl run uh, to this, which is a, a long way off. It so. The Falcons could be in for quite a long season. We'll be talking about uh, some more teams, hopefully, who are in for a better season after the break.
0: Hey everybody, this is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz flagship podcast. Just stopping by to say thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRadio2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
2: I did mention before the break they could be in for a better season but maybe maybe just just slightly better uh, but somebody who's got off to a, a pretty solid start as a fantasy option this year has been daniel jones obviously a lot of injuries early in that game where they faced off against the falcons uh, we did see saquon barkley look to be um per, per, looking pretty spray. obviously the concerns around the injury that had gone on all off season and the early season usage What was your kind of key takeaways from the the giants as a whole here?
3: You know, I thought they have looked pretty solid for a team that obviously isn't very good. Right. And so it's within that context and they haven't played great defenses either per se, but Daniel Jones has been okay. I mean, he hasn't lit the world on fire, but I also think some of the criticism going his direction is probably not fair. His yards per attempt numbers are right in line with Justin Herbert and Dak Prescott. His target depth is equivalent to Patrick Mahomes. It's actually a tick deeper than Matthew Stafford. You know he loses Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton early in this game, and you know those are your two main guys, right? I mean Sterling Shepard has been open at will in the underneath and intermediate areas, especially across the middle of the field. Those are efficient passing attempts when you can get those. So to lose him, it completely changes the game. Then you lose Darius Slayton, who has been their most dynamic deep receiver. They have Kenny Galladay. He's still kind of trying to work his way into a role on this team and just feeling comfortable with the offense, feeling comfortable with Jones. We do expect him to continue to emerge. And so in some ways you say, well, I mean, they've got their big free agent acquisition, but it's Shepard and Slayton who were, were kind of carrying this offense to lose them early and to still play fairly well. I think you have to give him some credit for that. He adjusted. He you know, he rushes for 39 more yards, uh, including a, a two-point conversion that was important. And, you know, once they lost those guys, one of the things that happened and was sort of fortunate for all of the participants rostering Saquon Barkley is that they did then get Barkley going in the passing game. And I think that's going to be key to their offense, too. You know, they're going to take some of these shots. He's going to push the ball down the field. I mean, he hasn't had a lot of extremely deep targets, but the rest of the targets, I mean, they're not dumping everything off. And so uh, it was actually good to see them get these underneath passes to Barkley. The thing that I kind of wanted to bring up in this one, we've talked a lot about the importance of being aggressive, and I just feel like their coaches really hung them out to dry in a number of situations this season. They punted on fourth and four from the Falcons' 39 in the third quarter when the momentum was really on their side. If he gives his guys a chance, you know, you believe in your players at all. You believe in your quarterback. You believe in Barkley. And you say, you know, we made this free agent acquisition of Gallaudet. They're going to have to cover that. We're in the part of the field that you you, just, you have to go for it. Right, they go for it, they score, they win that game if they do. And so, that decision right there if it's successful, you win. If it's unsuccessful, then you again, you just believe in your players. One of the things that a lot of the young coaches realize and have really changed kind of the mentality of their rosters is this idea of one of the things that you always used to hear on the telecasts was that okay, you're in these fourth and you know, short ish, you're on the opponent's side of the field, like. You've got to trust your defense and punt. It's like, no, I mean, you've got to believe in your offense and your defense, because if you go for it, you believe in your offense, you're successful, you win. If you're unsuccessful, then you believe your defense makes the stop from there. You know, you're on the 39, you force a three and out, or even if you let them get a first down or two, you force a punt, you get the ball back. The young coaches and the aggressive coaches, they believe in their entire roster. And that's a mentality that allows you to build a winning team. And because going forward a fourth down is just so favorable from a win perspective, then not only are you building a better mentality, but you're just giving your, your team a lot more chances to win. So that's a key decision there. The coach can't look at it and say, okay, you know, my players have to play better. We've got to coach better. You've got to make simple decisions to allow your team to win the game.
2: Yeah, no, I agree 100%. We did basically, if you want to look at the opposite of what happened there this past week, we have the situation with the chargers going really going all out to get that one on fourth downs on a number of times and we have the situation that you know i don't know maybe maybe the 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 giants need just need to uh, trade for justin tucker he can put that kick over from that spot on the field, probably even when when it's outdoors but yeah um some of the the play calling like that still continues to be quite baffling when we're in 2021 a couple of other very interesting players sean from this past week um i guess my question is around if there is uh fantasy implications moving forward one of those players obviously who had a massive week who we may touch on in a moment is cooper cup who has started the season in extremely impressive fashion um you know just dominating at the moment linking up perfectly with matthew stafford somebody who didn't link up perfectly with matthew stafford a couple of times but did link up with him on a 62 yard touchdown was Deshaun jackson uh you know jackson is i guess we'll say an older statesman of the league you know sometimes your speed deteriorates over time on those passes it didn't really look like jackson had deteriorated in terms of speed at all and usually the issue is with injuries he has a lot of injuries over the last four to five years where seasons have been very short for him but could we see a a, you know a secondary or tertiary option for people coming into these bye weeks like i talked about where jackson might be somebody we can set into those lineups um he really he really could have had two or three touchdowns in this game of of quite long yardage
3: He could have, right? I mean, you look at this game and he leads the team in yards. He scores that touchdown, but it could have been much, much bigger. Uh, On the second drive of the game, Stafford underthrew him on what should have been a 62-yard touchdown. In the two-minute drill, Stafford got pressure and dramatically underthrew him on what should have been a 45-yard touchdown. And imagine what he would be going for in free agency uh, this week if you put another, you know, 107 yards and two more touchdowns on there. I mean, if he's looking at a 240 yard <laughs> with three touchdowns, then, you know, are, are people bidding 700? And, you know, one of the things about these deep targets is that they just don't always pay off, right? I and mean, we saw what happened with Marquise Brown, kind of the unfortunate drops there. Uh, one of the other notes that we have you know, for the show which we probably won't talk about in detail but you know mark andrews has this big game five catches 109 yards he was wide open in the end zone for an extra 32 yard touchdown lamar jackson misses him lamar jackson really had a pretty good game had 529 passing air yards uh, which gives you a sense of just how well he's you know creating these deep opportunities for his receivers uh, the situation there in baltimore has really sort of shifted with the running backs being gone. They have not run the ball well. They've not given Williams a chance. Their veterans are clearly washed up and should not be on the field. You know, so you, you have some passing opportunity now for these Baltimore Ravens players. But you look at the situation with the Rams, you look at what Stafford's doing, teams are going to have to adjust to Cooper Cup, right? I mean, you can't just keep going out there and letting him destroy your team every week you know cup brings some things to the table with the route running with some of these you know underneath routes he's kind of this possession receiver plus but a possession receiver who has been stretched now in terms of being able to create some longer plays as this offense forces defenses to cover them in so many different ways it's difficult to take people away so i mean you think about woods underneath you think about the the solid running game you think about deshaun jackson over the top and then you think about you know one of the hardest and best route runners, you know, hardest guys to cover in cup. It's really a pick your poison situation. We contrasted this with the Chiefs, who don't really have that third option. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's great to you know think that Josh Gordon may have turned his life around. Most importantly, from the life perspective. And then Andy Reid has had some success, you know, taking some chances on guys in the past. You know, whether or not you agree with the Michael Vick decision, but he tries to go and. and and get Le'Veon Bell last year. Again, you know, maybe not a super likable character in terms of that. Josh Gordon a situation where I think people can get behind him. So they're trying to make this addition as well, but the Rams definitely have it in Jackson. And I don't think this is going to be the last week. But anytime you're talking about a vertical receiver number one, and you know, I mean, you think about this game, and if the touchdown doesn't occur, then you're looking at these two long touchdowns that might have been, and then you're like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to bother <laughs> bidding for him at all. And so we can see just what a big deal it is, whether or not these long touchdowns are completed. You think back to week one with KJ Hamler. If he catches that, then it's a different story kind of going into week two. It would no longer be relevant now, obviously, with the unfortunate injury. But it, it does change how people view the player if this deep catch is made. You think back to what just happened with the Miami Dolphins. Will Fuller open in the end zone in overtime, a gorgeous pass from Jacoby Brissett drops it right down in there. He's interfered with the officials do not make the call and he's unable to make the catch, which when you're talking about a ball coming down over your head, even if it's right there into your arms from that depth, that's going to be a difficult catch. Regardless if you're interfered with, then it's almost an impossible catch. He doesn't make the play, but people will be looking at his first week with the dolphins in a very different light. If he makes that catch. So we kind of have to look at opportunities here for the players I think when you look at Deshaun Jackson and you look at how easily he's getting open, then he is someone you need to try and add to your rosters this week for all of the reasons you mentioned. More injuries are going to happen to the guys you currently have. The buys are going to come up. And, you know, at the very least, if you don't have Cooper cup on your team, then when you're watching the Rams, it gives you something to root for as they eviscerate their opponents.
2: Yeah. The Rams look sensational and Stafford looks excellent. And we have to take into consideration. This was also against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, um, I have to say that, you know, if you had asked me three weeks ago, I would have said Deshaun Jackson was was kind of done, and he just looks so fast. Uh, and they're playing indoors on that fast track as well in um, L.A. So they are just stressing the defense at pretty much every level uh, as you kind of work through there. And Robert Woods, obviously, it's been a very disappointing start to the season for anyone who drafted him in terms of his production and his targets and opportunities versus that of Cooper Cup. You mentioned Marquise Brown. That was something I was going to touch on, but, you know, those three drops, they, they're as bad a drops as I think we're going to see. I know we talk a lot in the offseason. I'm going to touch on this guy in a second and Jamar Chase, but a lot of the talk in the offseason was Jamar Chase and his drops. But those three drops in Marquise Brown, I think maybe among some of the worst that I've seen. Definitely the worst three I've seen in a game as a collection. But if that, like, they they are getting those opportunities, if Brown can make that happen. Um, Mark Andrews, you mentioned, looked good. I think we could start to see a a little bit of an uptick from a passing perspective for uh, Lamar Jackson. So let's see how that works over the the next couple of weeks. But I mentioned Jamar Chase there. We're going to do some rapid fire through a couple of wide receivers here, Sean, before we finish today's show. Jamar Chase looks to be pretty much as advertised outside of the preseason. If the preseason hadn't happened, things would be going good. I know a little bit's been boosted by him getting into the end zone, but he is... uh, for, for rookie wide receivers looking as good as can be expected.
3: Yeah, he's, he's been impressive, right? And this is exactly why he was drafted. You know, talk a lot about the best wide receiver prospect since Amari Cooper. You know, you think about some of the prospects who have kind of outperformed what they were projected to do or what would have been a median outcome. Uh, if Chase, and, and Cooper has been a good player, but with how good a prospect he was, you might say that he's actually underperformed a little bit, despite the fact that, you know, it's hard to give someone any kind of demerit for the, the level that he's been at. I mean, he starts off his career with multiple 1,000-year seasons. He's one of the better wide receivers in the NFL right now. But if Jamar Chase could take that and outperform and just imagine what he could be. I mean, you could be talking about an all the time. Great right here. Blair had some cool notes in his week three recap. Chase only draws five targets on Sunday. That's a game in which the Bengals never trailed. They only ran 47 offensive plays. Burrow throws only 18 passes. So, you know, it's five targets, but it's a 28% target share. He's got 40% of the team's air yards, five targets, four catches, 65 yards, two touchdowns, and this is a team that we would expect them to play faster and to have sort of a a pass rate over expected in the second half of the season. We'll see if any of that comes – into play right it's not impossible for team teams to change their mentality or to change their identity as we go year to year one of the things that the Bengals did last year is that they really attacked once Mixon was out and so you see some of these situations you have a healthy QB you know he's moving around you're trying to win the games the Bengals if their defense improves then I mean they could be in more of these situations where They, you know, don't have to pass the ball a lot, but that's, I mean, that's still really not what we're projecting. We expect T Higgins to come back to look good. Uh, Joe Burrow continues to get better. This team is going to be really, really fun, right? So the, the buy low window on chase, and that's obviously slammed shut. You know, you could try and buy high. Uh, You can try and convince someone, look, I mean, they've got Tyler Boyd. They've got T Higgins. You know, you're going to have some games you're pretty frustrated about, you know, If they keep using Joe Mixon this much, if their defense gets to be average or better than average, maybe they just sit on the ball, uh, you know, sell now while he's on this crazy hot streak. We know that the hot streak or the efficiency level isn't going to maintain, but we're looking at sort of the overall picture of the pie getting larger. You continue to score a lot of touchdowns. You play well. I mean, he's very young, so you have this super Long window. Uh, Chase is one of these guys that I was able to get on a lot of teams because in the super flex format, people were focusing so much on quarterbacks this year. That's not necessarily a mistake, but call in the second show this week. We will talk a little bit about the rookie quarterbacks and the struggles that they have had through the first three weeks.
2: Yeah, and the other thing you mentioned there with, with Chase is, like, you mentioned the pie getting bigger, you know, ju- just five targets in this one for the four receptions, so I'm expecting that this team's probably going to have to pass a little bit more. Burrows' pass attempts have been kind of capped at what we've seen this season, and I know there's obviously him coming back from the injury. Another wide receiver who had a, a nice game this week, Um, you know, has had a steady season so far. We've been drafted in the second round with Justin Jefferson, uh, college teammate off Jamar Chase, and it's, it's really interesting to see those two guys just dominating in the NFL. I know Adam Thielen had been getting kind of the upside of the the wide receivers, or um, Osborne as well in Minnesota, but uh, Jefferson with 118 yards and a touchdown this week. Great to see um, how he is performing after week three. The other one, Sean, I just want to touch on before we do wrap up was Mike Williams. We had looked at a breakout on multiple occasions, and I remember we had a conversation in the, the preseason where – you mentioned about the beat report that he was kind of playing the the Michael Thomas role in this offense, and I kind of said I've heard it all before with Mike Williams. I don't know if it's going to work this year, but after three weeks, I'll hold my hands up. I should have listened to that beat report with a little bit more uh, with a little bit more expectation behind Mike Williams. He has looked phenomenal through three weeks.
3: He's looked very, very good, right? He led the league in expected points added last week. Now, that's a reality stat in terms of actual NFL points. One of the cool things that Matt Spencer added to the Monday review tool this week is the EPA. Matt added a bunch of really cool stuff in there. If you haven't checked that tool out, make sure you get in there and do that. Uh, It just has such a wealth of information for you to scroll through on Mondays and kind of uh, reorient yourself to where the NFL is now after the day that just transpired. Jefferson was number two in terms of EPA, uh, you know, catches the nine target, nine receptions on 11 targets, 118 yards, a touchdown, a column throughout the offseason. We kind of had Lamb, Jefferson, and Chase kind of mixed in there fighting in those top three spots to be the overall dynasty wide receiver. One, sometimes we had Chase up there. That looks pretty good. Sometimes we had Jefferson or Lamb up there. I think that those also look pretty good. If you Added those guys to your dynasty rosters in one way or another. You're looking great for the long term. Mike Williams, we talked about the fifth year breakout. He's in the process of doing it. One of the things that you kind of look to from the past is okay, he's had a thousand yard season. He's had a double digit touchdown season. What if those come together in an offense where they don't necessarily have a ton of other targets? And they have Justin Herbert, who looks like he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the game right now. He looks like a young Peyton Manning. One of the clear themes through three weeks is that there's been a big break where we almost have the continents separating, floating apart from each other. Teams and receivers who have elite quarterbacks are doing extremely well. Teams and receivers who have quarterbacks who are struggling, it's just very difficult for them to put up the points. One of the guys that we like, Elijah Moore, he's a clear bounce-back candidate. If you look at things like weighted opportunity, and air conversion, Devonte Smith, another one of those guys. Again, you can pull some of that stuff up in the tool. You can compare those numbers to see where the biggest discrepancies are. And yet, at the same time, we do know that as you go through, you're not necessarily going to get great efficiency from these quarterbacks who are establishing themselves as below average, and you're not necessarily going to continue to get the same volume for receivers who aren't getting it done now i believe in smith i believe in more i think that the rookie receivers are going to continue to emerge claw back be some of the guys as opposed to disappearing but we're definitely seeing that there are you know two different types of nfl going on out there they're the haves and the have-nots and hopefully you have as many fantasy players right now from this positive group uh, those teams are scoring a lot of points and their wide receivers are benefiting
2: yeah, and you mentioned there um the tools on the site. As always, before we finish up, I want to let you know about the listeners only discount that is a 10% savings of a Rotoviz NFL pass. You can sign up for that now by adding the code RV Radio 2021 at checkout or by going to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. We are still looking for those suggestions before we do a poll next week for. The intro players for the Rotobiz OT entr- entrance music, I guess we'll call it, and uh, send in your top three for that. The other part, as well, is we're going to do a bonus QA show over the next couple of weeks to celebrate episode 300. Send them my way on Twitter at Overtime Ireland or email them across at OvertimeIreland at gmail.com. That's going to wrap us up for today's show. We will be back on Saturday with another edition. My name is Colin Kelly. As I mentioned, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime and as always, my co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out Sean's work, including some of the stuff we talked about today on rotoviz.com. Until Saturday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Roto-Viz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Roto-Viz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.
1: mypatriotsupply.com